0: What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 3030 of the Joe Ciccarelli Show. Making moves here. Today's conversation is with Coach Matt Kerwick. Uh, Coach Kerwick is a person who is near near and dear to my heart. One of the biggest mentors I've had throughout my life to this period, really. Uh, We talk a little bit about that certainly at the end of the um, at the end of this episode. And I want to give you guys a brief background, uh, and we talk about this, but I'm I know I have a, I'm really fortunate to have a lot of listeners that tune in from all over the world, and lacrosse is still growing here in the U.S., never mind in other parts of the world. So I, I want to give you guys a little bit of background of kind of how uh, this came to be. I went to college, or uh, some of you would call uni, in Jacksonville, Florida. And I joined the club team there. So clubs like really laid back, just playing lacrosse, hanging out with some guys, <laughs> drinking after games, sometimes before games. And then uh, my third year into JU, the university came out and said, hey, we're starting to uh, – and we, we had obviously a lot of other Division I sports, but we're starting Division I lacrosse, which is a massive deal. Division One is the highest level of collegiate, co- collegiate, collegiate athletics in the United States. So it, was, it, it was a big deal. And for me, being a lacrosse guy, I grew up playing, big sport in the Boston area, um i wanted to make the team and so they hired coach kerwick to start the program and kerwick came down that year and they kind of i got to know him through there he'd like always send recruits to me and be like hey i'm recruiting this guy can you like take him out for the weekend and it was like different levels of like this guy can like show him around campus this guy can like go out to a party it was just it was really funny looking back on it but anyway um i was one of the two people myself and one others one other guy and we talk about that that actually made the um that made the so took the the jump from the club team to the um division one team the next year so obviously they brought in a bunch of recruits and things got serious really quick so uh for me it was one of the first things in my life that i really felt like it kind of got me in a direction of okay if i want something and i work really hard it's possible and i did work really hard and i was able to make the team and uh what an incredible year i was part of the inaugural team at jackson university which is now still a fully fledged program and they're having a pretty good year this year so far uh so, yeah, Kerrick was the coach. I played for him there for a year, and then um, I got into coaching at a local high school. It was my first day in coaching. I fell in love with it and a big part of why I'm doing what I'm doing today. And um, I coached, like, summer ball with Kerwick in Jacksonville after that and got to know him both, you know, outside of coaching as a person and a friend and – uh Sometimes a drinking buddy. And, uh, well, you know, we talk about all that stuff today. So I, I'm I'm not going to spoil much of the conversation. It's a great conversation. Uh, we talk all about his background. So th- th- this conversation is heavy lacrosse. Um, if you're a lacrosse guy or gal, you'll really enjoy this. We talk a lot about kind of, uh, especially if you played at JU. I hope a lot of my JU friends, uh, JU lacrosse buddies and friends that just kind of generally knew what was going on at the time will, will, uh, tune in and check this out because there's a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, but yeah, with no further ado, uh, conversation with Coach Kerwick.
1: We're live right now. We're Live, is, man! It, it's good, it. good to be live with you, Joe. Holy it's wick! Good to
0: be live with you, Coach. It's been a, it's been
1: a and- long time, my man. I can't believe we reconnected, and it's uh, your your story is one of my favorite ones of all time. In in my coaching days, I got to tell you, you know, being like, who was it? It was just you and uh, Descala. Yeah.
0: Who, yeah, who was yeah. it? right? Yeah. Me, Descala before Tiss and uh, Chip showed up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, going into Jacksonville and meeting you and Descala. And I remember the, the administration, the the AD was like, you know, you got a club team here. We want you to coach that club team. and, And as you're building out to start the first program at Jacksonville next year. And I went out with you guys a couple of times and I went back to the AD. I'm like, I'm, there's no way I'm coaching these guys. And, and he, he said, what do you mean? I said, listen, I, I don't know what these guys are doing on a Saturday night. I have no, I'm not, I'm not going to be held accountable for the, these maniacs out here, but, um, and, and there weren't very many good players except, you know, you, and, and you know, you really wanted to be a part of it. And you, you wanted to put in the work. So I respected that immensely when we brought the team in that, that next year. Right. And, and, uh, you were you were all in, and uh, that was pretty cool. That that's a story that you can tell your grandkids, man. You were the the, the, the first player, really, of Jacksonville University. Not not on the first team. You were the first player, <laughs> as far as my mind, in my mind, you know, at Jacksonville University, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, it was, man. It was an incredible experience, and. Um, I mean, I remember you talking about it. So just for people listening, like you came down and um, started a division one lacrosse program, first one in Florida in Jacksonville University. What? And I remember you talking about that outside of that and saying, I learned more from, I learned as much from the kids in that year. I mean, we were fucking good that first year. I mean, genuinely, we upset Denver. At like what were they like 15th in the country? So like yeah. talk a little bit about that from your perspective. You, you've coached at a high level for a while. What, what was different about J.U.? Or at least yeah, that it, year.
1: It, it was, uh, I tell people this all the time. I coached for shit, Joe, I 25 years or 26 years, right. Um, all different levels. I started obviously division three and worked my way up to division one. And, you know, when the Jacksonville job came up, I was, I was done at Hobart and, uh, we don't need to go into that, but I had a great run at Hobart <laughs> and I, you know, that's my alma mater. I love the place, but, um, but then this opportunity came about, and, and uh, I came down. I remember it was like, I think it was September when I started, and I had to find 30, 40 guys to bring in for the following September or August, right, when the school year started. So I had, I had plenty of time to recruit, but at that time, you know, all, all the recruiting was kind of done. Guys were already committed. So I had to find a bunch of seniors in high school – that. Hadn't committed somewhere yet. Right. And and at that time, most guys were committed. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be really hard. But then I found out it wasn't very hard because I just called all my friends in the coaching ranks at the high school level and said, hey, do you have a guy? You know, do you have a senior that maybe was overlooked or, you know, someone who kind of came to the game a little bit later? Um, maybe he was a hockey guy or a football guy that decided he wants to do lacrosse in college, but he decided late, right? And so, all of a sudden, I've got all these knuckleheads. You remember, I'm flying them down oh. to campus um, on a very limited budget, and and getting them on campus and taking them to the beach and holding, you know, walking on the beach hand in hand, and trying to convince them to come build a program at Jacksonville, right? And and you know, we didn't have much of anything, and and uh, I just remember. And I, I say this to this day, of, of my 26 years of collegiate coaching, that was the most fun I've ever had as a coach that first year when, when we had that team, right? That, that group of maniacs that we, we got together at in, in, in Jacksonville. And, um, and I think it's just what you just said, Joe. Like, we didn't know how good we were, right? Because we were just playing every day. And, and to be able to come in where there's no hierarchy, there's no seniority, there was no hate, there's no, like, freshman, you do this, you know, seniors telling younger guys they had to do this and that, everybody was the same. You know, it didn't matter if it was like you, who was a little bit older guy there, but, you know, or a transfer or two that came in, like Jake Ziegler and those guys who transferred in. Um, basically, everyone was a freshman in my mind, right? It was a wide open slate. There was no pecking order. Everybody had to earn their spot. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden we had a group of guys that were, you know, building something from the foundation, you know, and just, let's just go play and and, and able to, able to do it the way that we wanted to as a staff, right. As a coach, I'm like, all right, we're going to play fast. We're going to play aggressive. These guys don't know any different. We're just going to go out and practice that way every day, you know, And, and, I don't want to get too long winded on this, but I remember Brad bringing Brad Hester down at yep. the end of the first semester. Because that was one place we weren't, I think, very good was between the pipes. And that's pretty yeah. important when we have a bunch of freshmen <laughs> playing against North Carolina and Denver and those yeah. guys. And Brad comes down because he had a year to use and I had coached him at Hobart. Um, he called me up. was like, coach, I got a year to use. I'm like, you do? I didn't even know. And he's like, you got a music program there. I really want to get into music. And i look at him. He's got an awesome Annie in the Waters mm-hmm. touring around the country when that starts up again. And they've gotten really good. They started in our locker room and in, in my garage at my house. You know, it was kind of where they, they got things kick-started. Um, but anyway, I remember him watching his practice at the end of the fall.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he goes, Coach, these guys are fucking good. <laughs> and I was like you think I go I can't really tell we haven't played anybody I think we're pretty good though you know I mean we had a cast of characters for sure um and then and then we got to the season it was uh it was a blast guys are just going out and playing and just playing hard and other teams were like scratching their heads like we're getting beat by a bunch of freshmen guys guys that were in high school last year we're getting our asses kicked by them you know it was uh it was an awesome experience I mean there were, there were some, there were some, I, I let, I let the uh, leash out a little too hard on Saturday nights, but you guys didn't have a whole lot to do around there. You guys were, you know, pretty recognizable around campus, you know? Yeah. yeah um, was but, a, but, but it was a great group. I just remember like, I think the first guy I grabbed was, was cam. Yeah, cam cam man from, from, uh, you know, I called, uh, Bobby Wynn up at Salisbury. I said, do you have a guy? He's like, yeah, I got a guy. Everybody's overlooked this, this young, young man, cam, cam, Mann, cam and, man, cam man he's unbelievable player. And I said, you know, he brought him down and, you know, Canadian down in Jacksonville, but it worked. You know, he's still there. (laughs) I know he is. And he's, he'd he'd stay there as long as he can, you know, he's, uh, but that was a great group of guys. And you just think about the stories from that, Joe, you know, with with Corey Loverich and, um, you know, that to go through that and, you know, such an awesome kid and, you know, just the different characters that we had and, to look back on that I'm actually going up to to do the color on the Duke Jacksonville game in a couple weeks I'm I'm really on ESPN so I'm really excited to get back and and see coach Galloway I have a lot of respect for 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 John and you know what he's he's continuing to build up there so it's going to be really fun
0: yeah, the programs, you know, it's just amazing what what it's come to. But I I, I want to share one story which you'll you'll appreciate was, um, we scrimmage limestone. It was our first scrimmage of the year yeah. up in limestone. So limestone's yeah. a division three. We, again, for people that don't know a lot about college across, uh, limestone's division three. We were division one, so a higher division,
1: division two actually, but yes, same yeah. thing. Yeah.
0: D2, yeah, yeah. Um And yep. they were um, like a perennial powerhouse, right? So almost yep. like a, they had been national champions, whatever. Very well-respected yep. program. So we go up there to scrimmage them. And in their minds, they're thinking, we don't give a shit what division these guys are. They're a bunch of freshmen. They suck. And we don't know. Going into the game, we're like, right. we don't know if we suck or not. We're not really sure. And so I remember like, the game started within the first five minutes. We're probably up like five, nothing and the yeah. sidelines, just going, it, it, you would. have, And I remember you saying that on Monday, you were like, you would have thought we won the national championship this weekend. But yeah. everyone was so excited because we were like, we're actually fucking good, you know? Yeah. And and like, yeah. it was the first time to go against someone else. It was really neat.
1: Yeah, that, that was awesome. And, and then we open up with North Carolina the following week. They're yeah. ranked number two. I think Hester, you know, still Students wakes heavy. up in, in cold sweats at night, you know, he just got hit with like 28 shots. Like uh, he had unbelievable game, but I remember Joe Brushy looking at me in the third quarter across. You know, he's a good buddy, and they 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 were an incredible team. They were all over us, but we we battled. But uh,
0: I remember him looking over at me,
1: and he he literally looked me in the eyes, and he just Joe he he just went basically, like, what what's going on? You know what I mean? Because we were, we were, you know, only a few. It was like eight to five or something in yeah, the third yeah. quarter. You know, and he he just he like shrugged his shoulders and looked at me across the bench. You know, on on the sideline, and I just put my hands up, palms up. I'm like, I I don't know. We're just doing we're doing the best we can. You know, like it's an unbelievable group of guys that were just playing hard and and learning every step of the way, and that's why that that year was so fun.
0: Yeah. Do you do you ever wonder? Um. So for you you know, you left JU a couple of years later, um, went to coach at uh, a division one powerhouse Georgetown for a while. And then, um, and then Cornell, I, I, I mean, you landed at Cornell, which is one of the best teams in the country as, as a head right. coach. So it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. Do you ever sure. look back and think about God, what happened if I had stayed at JU and where would we be now?
1: Yeah, I look, you know, obviously I, I moved a lot, Joe, right. I, yeah. you know, I, I, I worked at a lot of great places and met so many great people. Um I, I look back on the JU decision. Typically I look back probably with a little bit of regret, honestly, you know, because I I, I do question that I'm like, man, I, I should have stayed there. You know, I just I, I I liked so much about it. There were different reasons on why I left, you know, that we don't have to get into. Sure. Um you know, obviously family and, you know, it was a long way from my my boys were very young at the time, right? Sean and Tommy and, and you know, getting closer to family and, you know, JU was, was trying to build up to, you know, up to where it is now. But, you know, being down there a little bit smoke and mirrors at times, you know, like
0: Wild Wild we, West, we, yeah. We,
1: yeah, we didn't get a lot, you know, a lot of support, you know, for... From a financial standpoint, we, we made the most out of what we had, and that's what you can all you, all you can expect of any team. You know, you, you don't want to look over and say the grass is greener, but um, but there's there are different reasons on leaving. But but uh, I do I, I I do regret leaving there a little bit because it was you know you're, you're building something from the foundation. It's yours, you know, and that's how often do you get to do that? You never get to do that really as a coach or as a player, I mean, it's to, to be a part of a first team that you can never take that away from anybody that was a part of that team, yeah. right? It, yeah. And yeah. so, and I remember saying that to you guys all the time, like, that you guys are, you know, who's going to score the first goal? Who's going to have the first ground ball? Who's going to have the first assist in that first game? You know, like, you, you don't get those opportunities very often. So, uh, I, I love Jacksonville. I made some great friends there, and um, I, I will say this. Being out there practicing every day, people don't understand this who are outside the lacrosse world. But to be a coach or a player in Divisional Lacrosse, and to be up at Hobart or at Cornell or at Dartmouth or at you know Harvard or Hofstra, wherever you are, majority of the season you're out there. You're 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 putting on Under Armour gear, three layers, putting on your your winter jacket your hat and your gloves every day out there in the snow because the majority of the is like January, February, and March, right? And it's yeah, miserable yeah. up there. It really is. It's miserable, right? And, and end of the year, it starts getting really nice to play up there. But to be at Jacksonville and it's 65 degrees every day in practice, I, I remember saying to myself, I will never coach in the cold again, right? And then fast forward a few years, I'm fortunate enough to be the head coach at Cornell and I'm like, there wasn't a day over, there was one year didn't get over 20 degrees one day in the month of February. You know what I mean? You're out there just, you know, freezing every day. So I, I did love that part of it too. It's just such a great place to play down here in Florida.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the sport's growing like wildfire down here. It just, It And I think a lot of it's that reason kids can play year round. Uh, what, Absolutely. what do you, what, what do you think about, um, not what do you think, but what, Talk. Can you talk a little bit about your experience at Cornell? I mean, so again, you know, you started out coaching at the Division three level. You're a guy that your story is. You worked your way up. You've been through it all. Um, Cornell is kind of like you made it to the top in a way, right? I mean, like that, that doesn't get you, you. You don't get a lot better than that. What What, what was yeah. that experience like for you? It was It
1: was an amazing experience. It's an amazing place. You know, it's really where I wanted to go to school. Um, my parents went there. My older sister went there. Um, I was recruited to play there by coach Moran. Who's a legend. I remember sitting in his office and all he said to me was, you know, we like you. We like your game. Um, really wanted to play hockey in college. So that kind of, I wasn't going to play at Cornell. I would have liked to have tried out, but there's no way I would <laughs> you know, that they're big time. Um, but I remember coach Moran, he goes, big boy, these SATs, is that, uh, is that the most recent one? I said, yes, sir. He goes, yeah, I don't know if that's going to get you in the door here. You might want to (laughs) look, maybe, maybe look up at Hobart. So, uh, (laughs) so he helped me uh, change my, my direction because my SATs were, you know, not up at 13, 1400. I can tell you that I I did. Okay. But it it wasn't uh, Cornell material, even with the legacy of my parents being there and my sister, did, you know, I don't think it was going to work for me. I was a little bit light. He goes, "Yeah, you're a little light on these, big boy." So uh, my grades were solid, but you know, uh, you got to have both to go to Cornell. But it was a great experience. It's an amazing place. Um, just everybody up there is so committed to, you know, being at that level, right? It, it's 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 a big step to play day in and day out at the highest level of Division One. It it is a big commitment. I think more than people recognize it's, uh, and, in Cornell, there's, if there's one thing Cornell is, it's a hardworking group of people all across, you know, it's, it's kind of the blue collar Ivy, right? So it certainly fits, it fits, you know, my makeup and where I came from, but, but, uh, it was a great experience and, you know, things happen the way they do and, and it's, it's what it is, but, um, I, I'm really happy to have landed where I am now and kind of stepped away from collegiate coaching I loved every step of it, but um, I'm loving this new, new venture I'm in now, which is you don't often get to, to my age and get to change, you know, change careers. I'm still coaching and there's a ton of similarity, but, you know, coaching lacrosse, it's like, Hey, you know, you play uh, Syracuse on Saturday, you either win or you lose. Right. And you can kind of gauge where you're at, you know, now in this world, it's a little bit harder to, to quantify, you know? And, and, uh, I, I like that too though. You know, it's kind of a, a good piece to it.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like the more immediate feedback. And I want to talk more about your kind of transition into what you're doing now. But one question that you kind of had set us, you would, one thing you said a couple minutes ago was like, you know, Cornell fit my makeup. And when you look at like the NFL and you talk, you look at like Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick has a coaching tree and he's got coaches yeah. to coach for him. that I go on <clears throat> and I feel like, uh, from, and I, I I'm really curious about this is like lacrosse is the same, I guess any sport is And Dave Yurick's kind of a coaching tree in his way. And, right. And that's kind of who you played for and stuff. So can you talk a little bit about your coaching style? Um, and I'd like to talk, I mean, I want to hear what you have to say and I'd like to add my notes to how much I learned from you, um, as a player, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you, you came from that and how did that, you know, how did that impact you?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, anybody that, that, you know, if you don't know Dave Yurick, I highly recommend you look, look him up. And, and, uh, he is, you know, he's my mentor. He's the, the greatest coach I've ever been around. I've, you know, and he, he kept everything in perspective. You know, you have to be who you are. I think that's the one thing I've learned as a coach and you, know, you can't try to be somebody else. You know, you can't try to be, I can't try to be Dave Urich. I mean, he's, he's a legend and, uh, I, I could never figure out, Joe, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to play and, and win four national championships in college under coach here. He actually left right before my, for my senior year. Right. So I was going into my senior year. I'll never forget the day. I was working up at Hobart in the summer and uh, going into my senior year and he grabbed me early August and he, and he's like, let's go grab a bite to eat. And I said, great coach. And, and, uh, and, and, He's like, I think I was the first guy he told just because I was there, you know. So he's like, I'm, I'm heading out. I'm, I'm going to build something in Georgetown. And I, I laughed, you know. I, I said, yeah, that's a good one, coach, you know, because he, he had won 10 national championships in a row at, at Hobart, and he built that program or continued what Jerry Schmidt had established up there. It's a great tradition in, in Geneva. Um, so, you know, I was very surprised he was leaving. But again, it was a it was a family thing for him and an opportunity. And you know, the crazy part is, you look at what he did at Georgetown. He never he was there for like twenty five years. He never had a losing season. He had a winning season every single year. Even at the end, when people are like ah, it's kind of passed him by, he's got he still had a winning record, playing the highest level of Division One, right? And, and the thing with coach was he kept it in perspective. Um, there was a process to it. There was a positivity and a humor. He was one of the funniest guys I've ever met in my life. He's hilarious. Um, just a big Polish guy from, from Buffalo, New York, salt of the earth. Um, and, and he kept everything in perspective. You wanted to play so hard for him, but the biggest thing that I do not know how he did it, and this was probably similar to like a Bill Belichick or, you know, you look at, at, you know, Krzyzewski, you look at the greats in all the sports, right? That their teams peak at the right time, at the end of the year, yeah, right? When you're playing for a championship. And I, I don't know how he did it, you know? I can tell you, having been like a freshman and sophomore at Hobart um, and being on the scout team and getting my ass kicked by these studs, you know, and... and we would, you know, scrimmage them down the stretch at the end of the year. And we'd always beat them in a game every single year. When I was like a senior captain and a junior starter, the young guys would beat us like going into the national championship game, like the week before. Right. And, and it was a real, like, all right, today we're going to inter-squad scrimmage, you know, an orange white game. And it's, it's on and it was serious. Right. It wasn't like we, we, you know, let them win or we weren't on our game. Like they beat us. Yeah. And um, he had a way of having every single member of the team from one down to whatever, 38, 45, however many guys were on the team. Those guys at the bottom were valued and just as important as the starters. And and he treated everybody with that respect and I think the teams that's, that I've seen struggle is when, you know, you're at the bottom and they don't, you don't really care about those kids, right? Or, and you can say it in an organization like where I am right now with Cross Border Solutions, like we're growing leaps and bounds, and we've got these STRs with these young, young guys coming out, young ladies coming out of college, and they're dialing 200 times a day and just, you know, feeding the the, the leads up to our, our salespeople. You know, sometimes they can be looked at as, ah, you're not that important. You know, just do your, do your job. You're not getting paid that much. Just do it. Like, they've got to have an, an the same respect as, you know, the top person, the, the top salesperson carrying their bag here. You know what I mean? That's what I think. And, and so I've always tried to carry that from what I learned with Coach Eric that every single person is, is just as important as the other. And you want to recognize that too, you know, you, you know, I hope I, I did this, like recognizing guys in practice at the end of practice, it's a simple thing, but if Joe chick is the whatever seventh attackman or whatever you were that day, you know, out of, out of, you know, out of the group, you're making plays and hustle plays. You recognize that, you know, and the more you can do that, I think people, uh, people want to know that they're valued. Right. And And I think that's, that's something that coach Eric did better than anybody I've ever seen. And, 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 and he kept it in perspective. It was never, you lose a game, you know, he's like, well, if that's the worst thing that happens to us today, then we're in a pretty good place. You know, it's just a game. Right. And, and it's more about the process and just trying to be, be the best group that you can be. Right. And I know everybody uses that now to be the best version of yourself and all that happy stuff. But it's true like just be be the very best you can and if you if you do then you're gonna you're gonna have success or you're gonna win games right you know whichever wherever you're putting that
0: yeah and it's, there's a lot of discipline i would think um and i would know because you know i got out of playing for you and then i coached um started my you know started a high school program there and coached and did that for a while mm-hmm. and really enjoyable times but you know to your point here um it takes a lot of discipline as a coach to do that. And I can share a good example of that. Is So for me, I wasn't one of the top attackmen at JU. Um, I was, you know, on the on the, on the the other side of that. And one of the things you had always said is, we're evaluating every single player every single day. And so for me, right. it's towards the end of the year. I had shin splints. I'm like, I'm not playing much anyway. Like, I'm just going to fucking dog it. And then I dogged it for a couple of days that week. And then at the end of the week, I didn't make the travel list. And I was kind of yeah. like... What the fuck, you know? What I mean? But it's it's true. Like you were eval- even though for me, I wasn't going to win the game for us that weekend. But it was right. still like I'm going to evaluate every person at every level, and it keeps you. Um, we were talking about this before we started the interview, but it, it kind of keeps you on your toes, right? It keeps you honest, and uh, I haven't looked I, at it from that side of it. But there's a lot. There's a lot to say there.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. It's um, I I can tell you when you have to have a travel squad, which. The Ivy League was was you could only travel 32 players for an away game, right? Which is, you know, you're, you're carrying upwards of 50 guys now on most of these Division one programs, right? So you would not believe how the staff were agonized over that and how much time we spent on who's going to travel Friday to go down to Virginia or to go down to Princeton. You know what I mean? It, it was... It was, it would get heated. You know, the staff would be, you'd be fighting for your guy sometimes because it's like, well, he's, he might actually get in the game, even though you're only probably going to play like 22 guys in a game, right? You're, you're traveling 32, which is plenty, but, you know, you want, you really wanted to value what you just said. Like, think about, like, hey, did you see him? Monday and Tuesday's practice, what he was doing, how hard he was playing right to the end. Did you see him in the strength training, you know, this this morning that we had, like how how, how involved he was and how he was picking up some of his teammates when they were dogging it, you know, and, and uh, all those decisions, you know, weigh into it. And that's what's hard when you deal with the parents these days out there and all these levels, like my kid's better than that kid. I'm like, well, have you seen your kid every day in practice? No. You know what I mean? All you do is come to the game and you see that kid, the other guy that's playing above your son, making a couple mistakes. But he's out there because he earned it during the week. Right. So it's it's not just about talent. Right. And that's that's a that's a tough thing. Sometimes, obviously, you're, you're going to give your most talented guys a little more leeway, fair or unfair. You do. Right. I mean, your starter's. You, you tend to give those guys a little more leash, you know, whereas if, if Joe, I threw you in there to play against Duke because you had a great week of practice and you go out there and make a you know, a couple of bonehead plays or, you you know, you don't finish a couple of shots you could have finished. You're probably going to get the hook, you know, whereas that starter, if he's struggling early in a game, you're, you're probably going to give him a little more, you know, it's just the way of the world, you know, it's almost like a, a top salesperson, in, in this organization you know you're gonna give them a little more leeway because you know at the end of the month they're gonna they're gonna close a couple of deals that we need you know yeah. so it's not always fair it's not always equitable but you have to make sure that you're you have a group of people that are that understand you can't dog it you know that's not okay
0: so how does that vary so let's kind of talk a little bit about um, you know, we don't need to necessarily go into like crazy detail, but obviously you've transitioned now you've done kind of been there, done that in coaching. And now you're doing a different type of coaching, coaching a, a hyper, hyper growth startup uh, based in Tampa, Florida, which I just relocated here months ago. That's how we initially reconnected. Um, how is that similar or, you know, how do you manage that differently? Right. So like you have a top player in lacrosse, um, in practice, he's kind of dogging it or whatever, but in a game, you know, he's a gamer, so you're going to give yeah. him a leash. How, how is that? Can you enforce that the same way in business? Like, what? what and it, maybe that gets to a bigger question is like, how is what you're doing now similar and different? And yeah. Talk a little bit about that.
1: It's, um, there's a lot of similarities for sure. You know, it, at the end of the day, you know, this is something I learned, and at times I, didn't do a good job as a collegiate coach. I think you know, it's all about the relationship, right? It's all about relationships, and and building those, and and, and having a trust in that, right? So, from a coach to a player, or a manager to, you know, some direct report that they that they're working with, you got to have that trust. You know, you've got to be able to one have the the open lines of communication and and transparency and just a direct um, communication, right? No bullshit. Just this is, this is what it is. So you got to have that, that trust in that. And, and, you know, if I'm talking to you as a, as a salesperson or as a a player on one of my teams in college, if you think I'm just feeding you a line of bullshit when we sit down in the office, it's not going to work. You know, you you know, and if and and same thing from what you're saying to me and what what we're communicating, you know, either way, it's got to be a a trust that we're we're looking out for each other's best interests. Um, The the tough part that, you know, what's very similar is that. Anybody I deal with and and, and I did this for all the teams I always coached, I, I, I want the best for you, Joe, I wanted I wanted the best for you always, right? but i want i have to do what's best for the team or the organization first mm. right so it's it's the organization first the individual second right it, and that's sometimes as hard as a player you know or if if somebody's getting fed the best leads in this organization because they're a closer then be then you got to become a better closer yeah. right and and it's it's trying to help you find that path and, and and give you, you know, some some ideas on how can you get to that spot where you're, that are going to meet up with your goals, right? That that are going to be, um, where you're hoping to get to, right? And so that it's, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, man, managers are, in and in have you know looking it up and, and getting in, involved in this and taking some leadership and and uh, coaching classes now, and you know, a manager is is tied to just the results of, of their players, right. Of their team. Mm. Right. So they're like, this is how we, this is our process. This is how you need to do it. Here's the results we need from you. Go get it. Right. Whereas a coach I'm maybe not as tied to that, right. As a coach, I feel like it's okay. Here's some of your goals that, that you've indicated to me, Joe, how can we get there? How are we going to get on this path, you know, to, to get you to these, what, what's the action plan we can put together to get you there. Right. And and so it's coaching and managing, although they overlap quite a bit, um, they are different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, are you, are you enjoying being a coach in this new environment?
1: Very much so. You know, yeah. I I really enjoy it. I, I, you know, I do a lot of the team stuff and, and, and uh, you you remember I do Tuesday trivia with all the teams. I used to do Tuesday trivia out on the field, right. On Tuesdays, just some, some meaningless question, right. For pushups. But uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot of similarity. When I see these groups succeeding, I, I get the same rush that I, that I got. Seeing uh, Nick Scalzo get dogpiled after we beat Denver, right when when uh, everybody jumped on him after in the fourth overtime. you know some of those I, I get the same feelings uh, that I did there, which is cool. So um, you know there's a lot of differences. I, I certainly don't miss having to come to the office on Monday and, and say, all right, who screwed up in the uh, in the dorms on Saturday night? Oh, every what? single Monday for 26 years, I had to do that. I do not miss that. <laughs> At all. Right. So uh, that's one piece that can't believe the cloud that was over that that go over every coach's head. You know, it's it's a seven day a week, 24 seven job, you know, being a collegiate coach. And people don't understand that. Right. It, they're, they're not they're not firing a uh, economics professor for a few guys really you know, making some bad decisions on a Saturday night, but they're firing a lacrosse coach.
0: Yeah. You
1: know? yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's a what little, a wave, a little different ahead. world,
0: True. Yeah.
1: you know? So yeah. I don't, I don't miss that at all, but, but yeah, I, I really enjoy the, it's interesting because, you know, some of these guys that I'm working with here and, and young, young women that, you know, a couple of them are like, ah, you just, you're just going to make it about, you know, something related to athletics. And and I said, and you know, I'm not an athlete. i never have been an athlete. I just, you know, I've always gone this direction academically. And and I said, it's it's not true at all. Like the people who succeed in sales, Joe, you know, it's not about being an athlete. It's about being competitive, mm. right? And that that's you don't have to be an athlete to be competitive, right? So um, you just try to get people to uh, who are competitive to to, you know, stick to the basics and stick to the process. And, and, uh, if you do that, you're going to succeed.
0: And what, what do you notice do you think? So if you had to take a step back here and you looked at the top performers at cross border, uh, on the sales sides are really anywhere, but I know it's this, you're very involved with a sales organization. what if you had to kind of run like a stream through the top performers, what do you think the, what's the theme that a lot of them contain there that allows them to kind of rise above the rest?
1: Yeah, I think there, there are definitely certain traits that succeed here. I, I think that the neat thing about being in this world as opposed to, you know, coaching at at Cornell or, you know, the U.S. national team or, you know, any, any level, a lot of similar personalities, right? I mean, they're all you know, you got 40 guys that are all pretty driven the same way, right? They, they, they want to be the best. They want to, they want to win. They want to succeed. You know, they're all in a similar way. They're all pretty much type A personalities. Right. Um, Which I think, you know, certainly in sales organizations, type A's are are the ones that tend to succeed. Right. So um, I just think it's a, it's a driven person, smart person here, right? You got to be very intelligent. You know, there's a lot of nuance to it, kind of what uh, we do here. So you got to be intelligent. You have to be a great listener, right? I think that's one thing that is lacking in a lot of people, right? You, you know, the old line, right? I have, I have two ears and one mouth, so I should listen twice as much as I speak, right? <laughs> that That's not easy for a salesperson,
0: uh, it's right? not easy for anyone.
1: Yeah. So um, I think you, you got to really kind of soak everything in and and kind of grow in the positions here. But you got to have a relentless approach. And that's like any great athlete. Right. You just got to be you got to be relentless and driven. And and in some ways, you got to be selfish. Right. You want to be the first on the board. Right. At the end of the month, you want your name up top there. Yeah. Um, and, and let's let's call it as it is. You, you got to want to make money. Right. You got to be driven by by that, um, you know, to to uh, to work at these hyper growth places. And and so really, I think driven and and, uh, relentless are the, the two mindsets that come come to life here.
0: Well, what do you feel like for you was the biggest surprise? So you probably came in, you had your thoughts and opinions on what you thought this, I hate to use the word, the business world, but you know, doing something like this, like you said, it's pretty significant career change at this stage in your life. What's been the most shocking that you were like, wow, I would have never expected this to be like this.
1: Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, I, uh, I think it's a pretty easy answer for me. I, I probably believed that it was more selfish you know, I, I'm, I'm used to being a part of, you know, team-oriented groups, right? A, a group that wants to go out and compete and win a men's league hockey game on a Monday night, right? You know, or, or, or you know, win a national championship as a, as a lacrosse program. And, and there's a, a, a huge collaborative piece to that, right? And, and recognizing your, your role, accepting that role, and then working together as a group within that role to su- succeed, right? So to me, I, I maybe didn't expect that as much. You know, I, I expected to be kind of selfish people that are just trying to maybe as for much, yeah, yeah, a little bit more. You know, I'm not going to share my ideas because I want to be number one. I want to. I want to make the most money here. I want to have the most sales. You know, I'm here just to make money, which yeah, you have to be driven by that a, a bit, but but it. I was most impressed with the the collaborative piece to this organization. I don't know if it's like this everywhere. I would think it probably has to be, right? If you're in a in a place that grows this rapidly and has the success that we've had, even through the vid, right through COVID, Man. right? Uh, we we've had great success and hit our numbers almost every month and. Um, you know, the only way it happens is if people are willing to help and share what they've learned, like for a younger one, younger salesperson to come in and to be able to, to swing some deals early, it only happens because, Hey, Joe, come, I got a call right now, come in. I need your help on this one. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure what, I don't know all the, all the ins and outs of this, but you've been through it. You know you're a veteran around here. Can you help me out? Even though you know that if we close it, it's, that chunk of change is coming to me. Um, it was it was very collaborative and very open in sharing of ideas um, and just really the, the pace of things here. I'm not used to that. Colleges are very antiquated. Yeah, a lot of red tape. You know, you you get you got a donor that wants to build that 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 you know Jacksonville locker room that was built. Right. And then that facility that was finally built yeah. that I was promising guys were going to, it was going to be built in, you <laughs> know, in I, I go, yeah. I, don't, I, I go, I don't know when I, I can't promise you when I made that very clear. I don't want any of the boys listening here saying that I, I guaranteed that they're going to have yeah. a sweet locker room. <laughs> I never guaranteed that. But, um, but the, you know, it just takes so much time. Like you can find a donor that's willing to give a million dollars and it still would take four years colleges to get shit done you know here you want something done and you have a good idea they're like let's go let's do it right and and they're just so open to to new processes new ways and if it doesn't work we can always go back to what we were doing right that's the one thing that's very different in this world for me right um things are things can be a little bit um erratic right and changes happen really quickly and processes change when guys get comfortable and no we're going to go this direction I'm like man they changed it somebody brought it up at lunchtime and we're changing it for this afternoon you know like it's, fast. it's uh and and that's been that's been really kind of eye- opening for me to see like uh, this is how this works right so
0: yeah yeah what a great thing to what a great opportunity for you to be able to kind of see things. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it must open up your eyes in a lot of different ways.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the other piece too, is like, you probably remember me saying this all the time. I'm like, this isn't for everybody. It's it's not easy. You know, like, you, you know, we didn't, I don't think we were nearly where we needed to be it's one thing I've learned maybe after I left there, you know, with like the strength training and those things that we, you know, we didn't have a lot of facility wise, but you know, like you got to get up and do the work, right. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get the lift in. You gotta, you know, put in the time on your own. You gotta watch film. You gotta do all those things after doing your school work all day long. And it's a long day. Right. And, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's one of the things that, um, you know, you can't cut corners. Right. So some of the people that have failed here it, and, and it's OK if if you're not into that hyper fast. Got to be quick on your feet. Change happens a lot like you go through interview process and everybody's like, oh, yeah, I love change. That's I had it at my last job. Uh, no problem. Yeah, I'll fit in there. Great. And then all of a sudden, two months later, they're in my office like, why are we changing all this stuff? And I'm like, hold on a sec. Remember in the interview? When you said change, yeah, no problem. Like it, it's, it, it's 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 got to be part of who you are if you're gonna say that in an interview, right? You know, you, you can't just try to get the job. You know how that stuff works. I mean, there's a lot of bullshit there, but but the uh, you know, but it's also okay if it's not for you, right? Like I tell guys all the time that I coach, like if if you can't do all this, because that's the bare minimum. Right. If you can't do, if you can't get in the weight room the way that you need to and commit to, and if you can't watch the film and you you can't, you know, be a great teammate and, and you know, take the role that you're, you've been given to by the coaches, right? Because right or wrong, the coaches make the decision, right? You know, if you, if that's not for you, that's okay. It doesn't make you a bad guy, right? But you need to step away. You know, and, and it's the same thing here. If if you can't if you can't keep up with this, it doesn't make you a bad person. Just change, right? So so certainly people come and go a little bit quicker in this world than I'm used to.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know? So that's crazy, you know, because it's um, people get cut from a lacrosse team at the mm-hmm. beginning. Right. And, but once you're part of that team, you know, for for the most part, like you're part of the team, you don't all of a sudden say, Hey, you had a bad week. See you later. Uh, in the middle of the season, you know? Right. What's that's fuck. and I, and I know, um, company like that, you know, they got to remain vigilant. What's it like on a personal level seeing, I mean, has there been some, we don't need to go into detail, but I'm curious, like, what's that like? Do you see people, how does that impact people? I mean, it must, yeah, it's intense, right?
1: It is that that that's hard for me, and that's probably part of my personality. Yeah, you probably know, probably part of the reason why I wasn't as good a coach as I maybe could have been at times um, back in the day is that I'm probably too loyal and too nice at times. You know, I, I think you got to make those tough decisions. You know, and if there's no use wasting time. Right. And 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 what I mean by that, you know, obviously from both sides. Don't want to waste your time. You know, if you're not gonna succeed here, I guess the, the challenging piece for me as a coach is I'm like, I know we can get you there. Yeah. You know, see like we can we, right? yeah, we see your potential. We can get you there. We brought you in here for a reason. But you know, my my bosses, the that the guys that founded this thing, they are a little bit uh yeah, a little, little bit more direct and, and and quicker with with that. Like, it's not that guy's not going to work. Or that you know, it's not going to work out. Let's just, you know, just just give, make them, let them off the hook a little bit and let them go find something they're going to do better at. Right, you know. So yeah. it's looking out for the best interest of of both sides of it. And you know, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't make them a great performer if they don't have it, you know? So it's, it's hopefully you can figure that out pretty quickly. And then if you can't, then maybe it's time to move on.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I I got a list of a couple other questions that I want to throw at you and they're kind of rapid fire. Is that cool? Cool. Uh, and this is just going to come off the cuff, but what are you most proud of yourself for?
1: Well, um, I would say my, um, well, that's an easy one. My, my two sons are, are really good kids, right? So that's, that's easy. Um, but I, I would say probably the friendships I've earned. I've got a lot of friends, yeah. you know, probably, probably way too many, but I have a lot of friends. So, uh, the friendships I've earned and the relationships I've, I've built. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ah. What do you wish you could tell yourself um, or if you were to go back when you were 25, what's the advice you have?
1: Oh man, you know, getting into this now, you know, I don't have any regrets, you know, coaching. I loved it. I had some amazing experience being a coach kind of looking back on now, I'm like, man, I kind of wish I did the, the wall street thing, you know, or, or this, you know, um, but I don't know. I don't know if I would change it. You know, I don't know. That's that's a tough question. I, I, I've I don't have any regrets. You know, yeah, some some personal decisions I made haven't been the best. You know, that's that, that's something that uh, I think anybody could say, though, right?
0: Sure, sure, and and you know, I I kind of want to ask you a little bit more about this because. Um, You know, we can't change, you know, we we all say that, right? Any smart person, if I changed my path, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And I kind of like where I'm at today. So cool. Done. But. I mean, fuck, man. When I graduated college, I wanted to be Matt Kerwick. I mean, I'm like, I just want to fucking wake every time I was around you. You were happy. You made everyone else happy. And to me, I mean, a big part of that's your personality. But part of me is like, he just does what he loves every day in lacrosse. So it's really interesting for me to hear you yeah. say the Wall Street thing. Is it a is it a money thing? Um, in or is it what what? Yeah, what's behind that?
1: That's interesting. Um, yeah, it it, it probably is. It probably is mostly driven by, you know, the, the, the success I, I feel like I could have had,
0: yeah. you know,
1: doing yeah. really well in that world. It's probably just that. Um, yeah, I, I you know, you, you know, my favorite quote, every day is a holiday. Every meal is a banquet, a banquet. right? Yeah. I, and I, and that's not bullshit. Like I, I, I try to approach every day and like, just be fortunate and enjoy it and try to make the most of it. And, uh, you know, are you, are, are you going to go through peaks and valleys? Yeah, I mean everybody does, right? But but I, I just uh, I, I love being around people and seeing people succeed. You know, so I don't know if I would have changed much because I saw that my whole career, and I'm seeing it in this career. You know, so uh, that that's I appreciate you saying that. You know, I know we're both five foot seven, super fast guys. You know, <laughs> so so we can relate to each other. But yeah. um, you know good stuff
0: yeah it's uh the other what's interesting about your advice and it's a really good point point. and uh if i was maybe not tw- even at 25 you know if i'm someone young and i'm listening to this the one thing i do really pick out from what you said is like think about if you're going to be a hard worker and you're a smart person put yourself in a situation where you can make a shit ton of money because why the hell not right so it's like when you pick your industry and this is just my opinion maybe you agree maybe you know but it's almost like when you pick your industry and all things being the same, why not pick an industry like banking? Because there's just more money in it, and there's more profit. So if you're going to work your way up, you're probably going to just make a shit ton more money doing that than working in a different industry that just doesn't have as much money. So there is strategy to that. Um, I think there's that's what you raise. At least what I'm taking from that is is that right? Like there's a lot of ways to impact people. In um, some what you can quite frankly just be more successful financially by just being a little bit more smarter about what you do. And that's not a good, that's just a choice, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's very true that, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but it it, it can certainly uh, open a lot more doors for you and just create more for, you know, when, as you get older, Joe, and you know, you start having kids and you got, you know, you, you have a lot of responsibilities and you want to be able to provide for that, you know? And, you, you, you can choose your lifestyle, right? I mean, it, you, you don't have to make a ton of money to have a great lifestyle. Right. But, but if, you know, for me, I like to golf, I like to travel, you know, I love to play hockey. Those, those are expensive things, you know? So, um, it, you know, so you gotta, you gotta, that's gotta match, but, um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. If you can, if you can find a way, I mean, I remember a lot of my buddies, you know, did the wall street thing, did very, very well. A few of them did, extremely well. And we said it all the time. It's like, if you go down there and you grind from 22 years old to 32 years old, and you can stick with it, right? Those first four or five years where you're, you're in the office at six and you're leaving at midnight, you know, if you can suck that up and do it, those guys are set, you know? Um, And, but then looking back, they, they were always like, man, you get to do what you love, Kermy. It's unbelievable. You know, every day you're, you know, and, and, you know, but then I look back at that and I'm like, you know, you know, my, my, my ex, uh, Mary's, you know, best woman ever, the best mom ever. You know, she's like, this is nuts what you guys do as college coaches. She's like, it's every day, you know? And I'm like, she's like, on a Sunday, She's like, I didn't think you had to work today. I'm like, I, I don't. I'm just going in to walk a recruiter around for two hours, then I'll be back. You know what I mean? To the house. And, and, and she's like, that's working. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, no, no, it's just for a couple hours. You know, so it, it's, uh, it's all relative, you know, when you're a younger person to look at. Um, so pick something that you absolutely love. And if, if you're fortunate enough that it's uh, something that you can crush it, take advantage of that. Right. Um, and if you have an opportunity from, you know, your bosses or whoever you're working for to, to maybe move to a different position in that company, but you really love what you're doing, do it right. Learn that other area because you can always go back to what you were doing. Right. And, and, you know, there's a reason why these hyper growth places are And our boss, my boss says it here. The CEO says it here all the time. If you're in the same place that you were in a year from now, if you're in the same seat, it's not a good sign.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. You should be, you should be advancing and learning and growing and and learning some different areas of, of, of this business. Um, so you're, you're able to, you know, down the road, do whatever you want to do.
0: Yeah. Um, I got one more for you and it kind of builds on what you just said. Where do you see yourself in 10 years?
1: Um, playing a lot of golf (laughs) and still playing two days a week men's league in the 60 and up division. So, uh, hopefully, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be retired at that point. I hope so. Um, but uh, I, I'd, love to, I'd love to kind of stay in, in, in this world and what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if it's with a company that's, that's an upstart and, and they're looking to build a culture, you know, I, I would love to uh, stay kind of in this world and, and, and helping a, a place establish a culture that they that they want that is positive, successful, um, thriving and, and, uh, you know, hopefully growing the right way. Yeah.
0: I love it, man. If, yeah, uh, man. if, um, someone listening to this is like, Hey, this guy's the fucking man. I want to reach out to him. How do people, uh, how do people find you or do you want to be found?
1: <laughs> I tend to. A couple of my friends call me Houdini because they never know where I am. Um, but uh, absolutely, I mean, I, 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 you can they can call my pager or they can fax me, Joe. That's you know whatever you want to do. Um, no, they they can they can reach out to me. You know if you want to provide my email or my cell number, I don't care. Cell number is fine. Um,
0: and you're on LinkedIn, reach out. right?
1: Yeah, 'm on LinkedIn yeah, I don't go on it, it as much as I should but I, I'm on there uh, pretty pretty bare bones but uh, but yeah at means, reach out on LinkedIn and and um, you know look at we're I can tell you this you know I'm not trying to use this as an advertisement but we're Joe Joe knows I mean I, I gotta tell that story Joe it was hilarious about what a few months ago now you know you, you oh, ping yeah. me out of the blue and you're like coach are you at cross border solutions? Cause there's a Matt Kerwick at cross border solutions. You know, I was looking at their stuff and uh, he's like, it can't, is, is it you? That can't be you. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's me. So uh, it was out of the blue and it was great to reconnect, but, um, but yeah. So if, if anybody we're, we're growing really rapidly, when I started a year and a half ago, we were at 80 people. Now we're at over 400 and we're going to over 600 by you know April so we we are looking for people that are uh, looking for opportunities
0: salespeople mainly
1: um, it's all over the all over the map you know we've yeah we probably sales is is the biggest opportunity you know younger younger people if you want to be a come in the door as an STR which which are uh, BDR they call them right we call it SDR here but you know you're grinding on the phones and we, we provide an amazing service to, to these companies. It's a necessary service, so it's not a hard sale. Um, and, uh, you know, then, then the account execs, but we've got, you know, client customer success as well. We've got engineers. We've got economists. We've got – there's there's a lot of different opportunities here because um, we are growing really rapidly. So it's, it's been yeah. pretty, pretty cool.
0: So from my perspective, the story is um, I got reached out to on LinkedIn by a recruiter saying, "Hey, I have this really awesome opportunity in Tampa, hyper growth company, cool." So I end up uh, um, researching the company, and so I didn't I, I didn't even know that you were in Tampa. I, I don't think um, in the last I heard, you know, you were still coaching lacrosse. All of a sudden, yeah. I'm just googling through like people on the company. I mean, <laughs> I'm in and all of a sudden I just like see your see your headshot, and I'm like wait a second. So I click on it and I see Matt Kerwerk, um, sales performance coach at cross-border solutions. And you had texted me, I think the day before and you were like, Hey, I heard you're in Tampa or something. It was just, it was fucking wild, man. It was absolutely yeah, wild.
1: I, I saw, I think I yeah. saw, you know, I saw a post that you put up or, you know, saying that you're moving to Tampa. I don't know if it was, you know, Facebook or wherever yeah. it was, but um, yeah, it was wild. You know, the next day you, you reached out to me and, you know, here we are, right? So it's, yeah. it's amazing how, uh, again, the relationships that you make along the way, um, it, it's what it's all about to me. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Look, I mean, just for me to say, and I've said it to you before, but um, you know, you've know, you always been a massive mentor to mine. I mean, it just the, the ability to do what I did at JU really was a life-changing moment for me. It was the first time in my life I mm. felt like I kind of worked hard at something, and then it actually paid off in to be able to learn from you and then learn from you when I was coaching, it was just, yeah, you become such a mentor to me. So it's, it's cool that um, we get to stay in touch through this and I get to continue to pick your brain, man.
1: Yeah. That that means a lot, my man. I, uh, again, it's, it's the impact that you have through coaching. It's, you know, you, you can, you can talk about some of the stories along the way there. It was unbelievable, right? I mean, it's, you, you don't remember the, the wins and the losses. It's, it's the little things, the little you know, the bus trips or whatever. Or the you know, who knows what it was at Ju? We had a lot of experiences there, right? But uh, but just the, those 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 times in between, and you know, guys freaking almost blowing up the dorm that first year. I mean, everything was just uh, it, it's it's all about those those moments, you know, through time, and that's 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 what matters.